Uh, I won't be before you uh, very long here. I want to talk about Jesus. That's what I want to talk about today. Uh, and let's go ahead and read the word, and then we'll go into prayer here. So um, you can go and stand with me and turn to your Bibles to the book of Matthew, chapter 7, verse 13 and 14, will be our location today. Verse 13 and 14. When you got to say amen. All right. You guys know, know your Bibles. Matthew 7, verse 13 and 14, Jesus says, Enter the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord. It is a lamp for us, Lord. You do not leave us, Lord, without direction, God. You you teach us, Lord, what it means, God, to know you, how we can come to know you, how we can be in your will, Lord, how we can please you. Lord, it's your word, your word, your word, Lord. Lord, we're so thankful, God, that your word became flesh, Lord, that, that, that we may know him, that we may uh, know a person, God, that we may worship this person, Lord. So, Lord, I pray right now, Spirit, use me right now. Take me out of the equation. Use me, Lord, that I may preach to your people. Speak through me, Lord. Lord, we pray this in the name of Christ. Amen. You may be seated. This word has a lot of... It bears a big burden on my heart. This text, this scripture, uh, though I'm preaching to a church, um, though this is uh, certainly an appropriate uh, text for uh, an evangelism um, event, it's always appropriate to preach this type of text in the church because we have to be reminded, all of us, and certainly reintroduced to some of us, that Jesus Christ is the only way to God. He is the only way to heaven. He is the only way to life. But there is something going on in our culture, in the culture of the church, certainly in the culture of this country, where, where, where this is not necessarily being understood. I sense in the church in America that there is a, a waning there is a tiredness that's growing in our churches, and there's also a disconnect in our churches with our pew members between the Christ of the cross and the Christ in his teachings. See, see they're not two different things, but they, they deserve a nuance here. We, we, we can talk about Christ on the cross. We can talk about what he did and what he, uh, what he, what he accomplished for us on the cross, Right? But, but, but we need to make sure that we're not disconnecting that from his specific teaching. See, see, the kingdom of God, when Jesus came, he came to establish the kingdom. But the kingdom had a message. The kingdom had specific teachings. And God expects for his church to follow those teachings. You understand what I'm saying? 
I just read um, a recent article from uh, um, USA, and um, it says that the so what's, um, that, that's the growing demographic in America, the so what's, right? See, see, no, no longer is the fight. We, and we have to, as Christians, we have to pay attention to the fight. The fight is, is not so much that, that uh, now um, uh, there's so many ways to get to God, and, and, and I'm over here, and you're over there, and I'm over here. No, it's really so what? I don't care. I don't care. I was reading some of the comments here. And self talks about how so whatness it leads to spiritual apathy for those in this country. Uh, one guy said regarding this, he says, I'm not at all worried about the afterlife. When they asked him about uh, what he thinks about heaven and Christianity and the like. He says, how could they turn me down when people do whatever they want to do during the week? But this is how we know that there's a disconnect in the church somewhere because he says that people go to church all the time. Every Sunday, he says, they go to church all the time, then they come home and they gamble and they party and they do whatever they want to do and they use God's name in vain. There's, there's a disconnect somewhere. But don't think for a second that that spiritual apathy is not affecting the church. It's, not a, it's, it's, it's affecting the church. I, I, I ask so many brothers and sisters around me, I, I ask them, hey, how often do you read your Bible? How often do you pray? How often do you spend time with God? How often do you saturate yourself with the specific teachings of Jesus? And there's always a, I don't have enough time. I'm tired. I'll get to it. Church, there's a disconnect with the teachings of Jesus. One commentator said that instead of people following Jesus and specifically what he taught, they're following 5,000 unseen friends on Facebook and Twitter. Oh, we're following somebody. We're paying attention to somebody. We're paying attention to somebody in their words. But I fear that it is not Jesus specifically. And so what I want to do today is I want to, to talk about once again, church, Jesus is, in fact, the only way. But I want to make sure we hear this and that we do not disconnect that from the things he said because he does not want us to disconnect it from his teachings. And so with that, I, I want to offer us a warning. While, while we're kind of conditioning our minds as to how we can think about this before I preach here, I mean, before I go into the text, I want to offer a warning and I want us to pay attention to how Jesus explains, how Jesus himself explains and simplifies the realities that there's only one way that one can be saved. He has a lot more to say, to say than, I came to down the cross. There's much that he has to say that you need to know before he gets to the cross. Amen? Okay, so, so let's go back to our, our, our text here, okay? So in Matthew chapter 7, 13, Jesus entered by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. So, so what I'm going to do, actually, I'm going to start in verse 14, because I, I want you to understand something that Jesus wants us to understand, because this is technically the way he starts. See, he first wants us to understand uh, that, that he wants us to understand what 
you are being called to. It's important for you to understand what you are being called to. This is um, the Sermon on the Mount, that great discourse. You would have heard it last week from Pastor Jamal, from it at least. You are the salt of the, uh, the, salt of the, uh, the earth. This is at the end of this great discourse. Jesus Christ gives the, it's the gospel of the kingdom. That means that this is the good news of the kingdom. This is the message of the kingdom. And Jesus has some things to say about it. Jesus, uh, Jesus uh, had this specific, this uh, specific message, excuse me, about what it means to be a part of this kingdom and what it means. And so, so I want to front load this with Jesus wants you to understand what you are being called into as it pertains to the kingdom of God. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. This Jesus is not interested in some type of big print cell with, with a, a, a deceitful small uh, print uh, detail. You understand what I'm saying? That, what he's not doing is, is, is he doesn't want to say that salvation for everybody. Uh, but I want you to know that uh, when you get here, you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't do this, you can't do that. What he's saying is that I want you to understand, I want you to count the cost before you come and follow me. Right? Right? This is a lot different than a lot of the sermons that we hear today in this country. We, we, we don't need to try to make Jesus uh, sexy. We don't need to try to beautify Jesus. Jesus is beautiful in and of himself. But what Jesus says that I, I, what I'm not trying to do is try to sell you something. I'm giving you something. I'm offering you something. I'm offering you life. I'm offering you hope. I'm offering you joy. He says, this is not a cell. He says, I have specific teachings that I want you to be aware of. And this is why Jesus says that at the end of this sermon on the mount, after they just got you hearing that, that wait a minute, I, I don't know if I can do that. You mean to tell me that you are turning my ethics upside down? You mean to tell me that my righteousness has to exceed the righteousness of the best person I know? You mean to tell me that, that, that if I'm going to, uh, I, I didn't uh, commit adultery with this person, but you tell me I already did it if I did it in my heart? You're telling me that if, if, if I'm going to kill somebody, that I don't actually have to murder them, all I've got to do is hate them in my heart? Oh, that's a different standard, isn't it? That's a different standard that Jesus is setting. And so at the end of this, of this Jesus says that it's hard, I know. It's hard. But there's more good news about that. Matthew Henry, he summarizes this, Jesus' sermon, by saying that Jesus' teaching in today's passage, he says that we must endure hardship, we must wrestle and, and be in agony. That's the terms that's this, describing the person that's in the kingdom of God. We must watch in all things, be watchful people. We must walk with care and circumspection. We must go through much tribulation. Christ way is narrow. Christ's way is hard. Now, we're not going to leave it there, but you need to understand, we want to stay there, that Jesus, Jesus does not deny this, that it is hard. This reminds me of Jesus when he's standing and, and he's giving these, these hard teachings. You have the man that ran, runs up to Jesus and says that, uh, Jesus, I want to follow you. I've done, I've done all that you've taught me, told me to do. I want to follow you. And then Jesus tells this man, what did he tell him? Go sell everything you have. Give it to the poor and come talk to me. I want you, but, but do that first and then come talk to me. But what's not easy? 
Well, it's not easy. It's not easy to do the hard thing. It's not easy to walk in holiness. It's not easy to go against the tide. It's not easy to be the unpopular person in your school. It's not easy not to respond the way that you want to respond. It's not easy not to say what you want to say to your wife when she makes you mad. It's not easy. But Jesus says that I know it's not easy. I know it is not easy. But the, this leads to life, though. He says that it's hard, but it leaves, leads to life. Look in your text again. I want us to soak this in. Chapter 7, verse 14. For the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life. It leads to life. It leads to life. It leads to life. I know the, the road is hard, but it leads to life. I, I'm thinking about right across the river when I was in Indiana and we had our first child and, and while we're going through labor and, and the hours and hours going by and all the contractions and all the pain, this was a hard thing and all I had to say was that I can't do this anymore. Now I wasn't having to beg. I can't take this anymore. No, 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 but, 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 but there's certainly a time where we're thinking, like, is this ever going to happen? Or are we going to be able to have this child? Is that child going to come out? It's hard. But what joy you have once that child comes to birth. What joy. The Bible says that the, the woman even forgets the pain when she looks at the joy of the child coming. Jesus says that, I know that it is hard, but we're talking joy. We're talking life. I know that it is hard, but there is life. There is life. There's life in your relationships, life in your situations when you are obedient to what Christ has called you to do. There is life. There's life. I think about Paul in Galatians 6 9. He says that, and let us not grow weary in well doing, for in due season we will reap. If we do not what? Give up. There is life. Jesus, I know it's hard. I know it's hard. Philippians 2, Paul says to Philippians that you shall what? Work out your faith with fear and trembling. You, it's the, there's a work ethic at this thing. And I want to stay in, here in this type of mode because I want us to make sure that we're saturating ourselves with the grace of God. Right? You can't earn your own salvation. We'll talk about that a little later. We know that. But, but, but God expects us to work at our salvation. It is an evidence that you receive the Spirit. It is an evidence that you love your Lord. It is an evidence of your faith. I think about Paul in Philippians 3.14. I press toward the goal. I press toward the goal. Look at the language. I press toward the goal. It is not a passive thing. It is, it is something that he's intentionally pressing toward the goal. For the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Jesus, He beholds the beatific vision. He beholds that Jesus is in front of him. He says, I know it's hard, but I'm going to press. I think about Job in Job chapter 17, verse 9. The righteous keep forward, keep moving forward. The righteous, they keep moving forward. And those with clean hands become stronger and stronger in the Lord. 
I know the way is hard. I know the way is hard. I know the way is hard. But Jesus here is saying that I know it's hard. That's why I'm telling you the road is narrow, but it leads to life. It leads to life. Secondly, what I want us to see here, the road is hard. So, so, so I want to paint this picture here of what is going on in the text. Jesus is saying that you have two gates and two roads and two crowds. And that can exist anywhere. That can exist in the world, outside these churches, and that can exist within the church. Do not be deceived. You have two gates, you have two roads, and you have two crowds. The road is determined by the gate that you enter. The road is determined by the, the lifestyle that you live, but it's first determined first by the gate that you've entered. So let's talk about the narrow gate. Let's go to verse 13. So first you have Jesus saying that before you enter the gate, and this is, I want you to understand what you are being called to. I want you to understand what's going on here. And this is really because Jesus, at the end of, chapter, at the, end of the Sermon on the Mount, he's bringing it to a close. So what do you think? You have to make a choice. So he says, enter the narrow gate. Verse 13. Enter the narrow gate. Enter through the narrow gate. Why am I saying like that? Because it's a command. It's in the heiress. It's imperative. Enter into the gate. It's a command to enter the gate. It is necessary for life. It is necessary for eternal life. I am giving you the, 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 the specifics of the kingdom. And if you want this kingdom, you must enter into the gate. Jesus is in the kingdom. Jesus is establishing his kingdom. And he's telling you to enter into the gate. If I'm, if I'm inviting you over my house and I'm inside the house, I am telling you to enter into my house. Come in. This is an invitation. But Jesus is saying that it is imperative for you to come in. It is imperative. It is important. It is the most important thing. You have some people say that I don't talk religion or politics. Well, not with this. This is the most important thing you could talk about. You cannot ignore this thing. You cannot ignore it. You cannot be passive about it. There's nothing passive about this text. There's nothing indifferent about this text. Everything in this text, text is an action. And we're going to see that. A non-answer is an answer. But Jesus expects us to move. He's commanding us to. But I want us to hear this. I want us to make sure that we're hearing this as uh, it coming from a person um, that is a person of authority. Okay, this is not a politician. This is not Obama on steroids. He's not trying to solicit votes, Right? He's standing as a king that is summoning his people, beckoning his people. It's time to come. If you want to be in the kingdom, go into the kingdom. But you can't go into the kingdom unless you submit yourself to the reality that this is going to require much of you. This is the narrow gate. Jesus is the narrow gate, right? He's the narrow gate because it's just him. It's just one person. That's the, it's narrow. The, word, the way that you can look at this term really is it's kind of like a turnpike, right? It's a turnpike. It's a, it's a narrow area, a narrow space that you're walking into, and only one person enters into that thing at a time. You can't go with your grandma. You can't go with your mom. You can't go with your, with your wife. It's just you going through this turnpike. 
And then you walk and you turn and then, and then as you are repenting before God, as you're saying that, Lord, I don't know how I'm going to fulfill these responsibilities that you've said, but I'm going to say that, Lord, I can't do it by myself. I submit myself to your kingdom and I'm going to go through the turnpike. And so they go through the turnpike and he begins to turn, the person begins to turn and he's coming into the narrow way, the narrow way, the narrow way. Jesus calls us to narrowness. The world tries to call you narrow-minded. I said, that's okay. I'm an informed, narrow-minded person. I, I, I know what I believe. I know why I believe it. But Jesus says, enter into the narrow gate. Enter into the narrow gate. Jesus here is reminding us that he is the only way to salvation. He's the only way to salvation, which is why I title this once again, The Only Way to God According to Jesus. I want to keep on saying this. It's the only way according to Jesus. It's the only way because Jesus does not just offer himself without giving you what you're going to be getting when you come. This is a part of the Great Commission, right? Go out into the world. Go out and teach them to observe all that I have taught you. Some of us Christians, we stay at milk when we should be at meat because we're not focusing specifically on what Jesus taught us. We're not focusing specifically on how we ought to react to things. We're not focusing specifically on how we ought to respond to our spouses, how we ought to treat our children, how we ought to obey authority, how we ought to give respect to our pastors, how we're not paying attention to what Christ has called us. And I, myself, and all of God's children are certainly Guilty of this. So the king is summoning us. Saying that I am the only way to the Lord. I am the only way. I am the only way. Can we talk about Jesus a little bit? Can we talk about who he is for a second? Can we talk about this Jesus that says that I am the gate. I am the narrow gate. Can we talk about him? Is is he not the Lord of Lords? Is he not the king of kings? Is he not the exact image of God? Is he not the first and last in the Alpha and the Omega? The Word of God, the bright morning star, the rising sun, the living one, the Amen. Let the church say Amen. The, 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 the true light, the righteous one, the Lion of Judah, the King of the Jews, the Good Shepherd, the resurrection in the life, the true vine, the seed of Abraham, the root and offspring of David, the faithful witness the Emmanuel, God with us, the capstone, the rock of our salvation, the the bridegroom, the firstborn among, among many brethren, the firstfruits, the firstborn of the dead, the heir of all things, Lord, the head of the church, the chief shepherd, the prince of peace, the man of sorrows, the Passover lamb, a horn of salvation, the deliverer and redeemer, the author and perfecter of our salvation, the mediator, the high priest, the son of man. He stands at the gate and says that I am the only way. I don't apologize for this. I am the only way to get to God. I am the only way to get to the Father. Hallelujah. But Jesus stands at the narrow gate. Which means that if you said that you entered into the kingdom through the narrow gate, through the person, 
You can't live wide road lives. And, and this is what I fear for the church right now because, because this spiritual apathy has spilled over into the church. Where we believe that if we go to church, where we believe that if we sing the right song, then we have arrived. And we go on living life the way we want to. That is not the kingdom. Jesus doesn't recognize that kingdom. Enter by the narrow gate. Jesus bids you to come to him, and you will get the benefit and covering of all these things. Jesus is the narrow gate. Jesus does not apologize for this. We don't have to apologize for it. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. And what does he do? I will give you rest. John fourteen six. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus. I work with men at my job. I work with men that have, have been incarcerated, ex-felons, guys coming out of the system. And it's a Christian non-for-profit right now. And, 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 and I get to talk to these men about life. And I get to preach the gospel to these men and offer them life. And so many of them don't want it. Because they don't understand the full weight of their condition. See, it, it's... it's Good news, you understand good news in light of what? Bad news. You, you better appreciate good news in light of bad news. This is the most attractive person in the universe. This is the most attractive person in the history of the world. And you tell me you don't want him? I am the way. I am the way to the Father. I am the way to the Father. I, James Westbrook is not the way to the Father. No one in here is the way to the Father. And we, we have to remember that when we are tempted to, to, to think that, that, that we have to earn our merit with God. We can't earn our merit with God. When we begin to try to, try to make these and say that, God, I'm going to be righteous on my own. I'm going to, to, to justify myself when I sin. That is a way, that is a, that is a, that's a cancer in our minds, it's practically speaking, every day when we begin to say that I, I, I'm going to work my way to the Father, and it's, it happens in the most subtle ways. It happens in the most subtle ways. For instance, when, when I get into it, well, I'm well, well, not sure get into it, but uh, when my wife and I have a disagreement, James, you, 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 you left the food out. That happens sometimes. You left the food out. And what, and what what we typically begin to do? We begin to lawyer up, don't we? We begin to lawyer up. Well, well hold on, hold on. Now you, you didn't tell me that you wanted me to put it up. I thought you. I thought it was your turn to put it up. I, I, what you what you doing? That, that is a subtle way of us trying to justify ourselves in the most subtle situation. But there is no way to justify our wrong in any circumstance. This is for the subtle as well as for the big picture before God. You can't justify yourself before God. You can't justify your sin. We need Jesus for everything. 
So the next time your wife comes to you about putting up the food, maybe you can say that, you know what, I don't even remember, but I probably did. I can expect that out of myself. Thirdly, Jesus calls us to respond to his teachings in awareness and avoidance. So, so you have Jesus wanting to make sure that his people know that, firstly, I want you to understand that I don't make an apology for this. I, I want you to understand what you're getting. All right? The thing that has undermined this the most is the fear that the church is shrinking. It's the fear that, that, that we're not going to fill our churches up with people. That is the temptation here. And so when that fear drives the church, then the message of the church changes. It becomes what you call a man-centered gospel, which is why I love this church so much, because it's a Christ, a God-centered gospel. That is one of the things that undermines this message. And just for the record, the church is not shrinking. It is impossible for the church to shrink. Those who are actually a part of the church, they don't lose, they don't fall out of the church. Once you get into the, the gate, there's no exit plan. You're in the gate. You're in. That's why he says come. He doesn't tell you to stay in the gate. You're in the gate. So there's this, it's impossible for the church to shrink. And so what we're seeing really is people that's really showing their true colors. What you're seeing here is you're, you're seeing that, that for such a long time in America, there was just only a veneer of religiosity. There's only a veneer of faith. But beneath that, the reality was people did not actually believe that Jesus was who he said he was. It's this difference between this lordship salvation. You have some people that believe that you can just accept Jesus and then then he'll become Lord later. Just accept his gift and he can become Lord later. That is blasphemous. It's blasphemous. We don't do that with anything else, do we? If you take a class and then say that, that I'm going to take the class without listening to what the teacher said, I'm, I'm not going to conform to the, the rules and regulations of the classroom. No, it is foolishness. It is folly. Jesus becomes the Lord of those who enter into the gate. And it is evidenced by what? Their lifestyle. They live repentant lives. They're not perfect. But as 1 John says, that he says that I write this letter, I write this epistle to you that you may not sin, that you may not fall into sin, but when you do, you know that you have a mediator that can cover it for you. We know that. But he says that the person who enters into, who says that they enter into this gate, their fruit will bear witness to them. One of the scariest things that a person can face or reality that they can face is that when they get before the Lord the Lord to say depart from me for I never knew you this is a warning for the church a warning for the church so so now we see we understand that Jesus wants to tell us this is what it means to be in the, in the, in the church this is what it means to be a Christian. And then we move down from there, and then he says that enter the narrow gate. That's where I'm at. Enter the narrow gate. But then he says, 
calls us to respond to this teaching in the area of awareness and avoidance. Verse 13, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction and those who enter by it are many. Those who enter by this row, this other gate, are many. And so the ideal here for, for the church right now is to avoid that road. Avoid that gate. Avoid that gate. And so the first point that I even see on this is that you can't come to God by your own efforts, by your own human efforts. Now, I said that before, but this is where it's most clear, and I'm going to show you why it's clear. When Jesus draws this dichotomy between the two roads... This is not a distinction between paganism, wild out, do whatever you want to do, and the good way. That's that's, that's not the distinction that he's drawing here. Who is he talking to? He's talking to Jews, right? Who's in the audience? you got his disciples, and you have Jews, and you have Pharisees, right? right? So in the Pharisee, I mean, amongst the Pharisees, that's the demographic of people who believe that they can earn their way to God. They set up so many different things, so many different systems to make sure that they, that they didn't sin. They, they looked down at people when they did. That's why Jesus says that I did not come for the healthy. I came for the sick. But, but they're, they're, they're healthy. They, they're, they're good. They're fine. They're righteous. They don't need me. They don't think they need me. And so Jesus is saying that amongst the Pharisees, that's the way we need to hear this. You got two world roads, fellas. You got two roads, ladies. It's my road. I got some hard stuff to say. I'm going to say things like, you're going to have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. And I know that people are going to respond negatively to that. They're going to walk away. You remember that story? And then Jesus turned to his disciples and what did he say? Will you leave also? What did they say? Where am I going to go? You have the words of life. That's this road. This road is you think that you can make your way to me by yourself. You think that you and God got to understand it. Right. That's, that's the God that me and God got to understand. That's, that's the fellas I talk to in my, in my group. What about your relationship with God? Or oh, God, he understands, man, it's hard out here. He, he'll have mercy. No, he won't. That's the other road. That's the other road, the wide road. uh, uh, Jesus is saying there, he said, this road, don't get it twisted here. Both roads point to God. Both roads point to God, but only one road actually leads to God. You understand what I'm saying? If you're not actually going through the way that God, if if you can look in your life and say that something's wrong here, that's a disconnect with my life and my lifestyle, if you can look in your life and say that there's a disconnect between what Jesus has said, what I'm hearing from the pastor, and my lifestyle, there's a disconnect there, but, but you may be pointed toward God because you have good intentions, at least you think. Because you love the church. Because you love your pastor. Because you love gospel songs. That, that points to God. But it doesn't lead to Him. It doesn't lead to the rivers of flowing water. It doesn't lead to everlasting life. It doesn't lead to the pearly gates. It doesn't lead to a new Jerusalem. It doesn't lead there. As it leads to destruction. It leads to destruction. Jesus says here also that the way is easy. It's easy. It's easy. 
It's easy for a person. The guys in my program, when we talk about it, they say it's hard. They say, James, it's hard, man. I, I, I got to go back. I got to start, start selling drugs again. It's hard. Now, you're talking about the tension is hard, but the act of what you're about to do is easy. That's the easy thing. To, that's the easy route out. God calls his church, and we have to get this, and we have to continue to preach this to ourselves. We, are, we live in such a comfort-saturated culture. Everything is about comfort. Everything is about convenience. Everything is about fast. Everything is about easy. That's how they sell things to us. That's how they sell things to me. That's how they sell things to you. It's easy. That's the attractive way. It is easy not to follow. Some would even say that's the weaker route. Not to follow follow God's way. But God's way is better. God's way leads to life, but even for the Christian, even for the Christian, even for the Christian, you know, you, you may be on 264, but you begin to look on the other road sometimes, and you begin to look at uh, Highway 64, you need to stay on 264, don't be looking over at 64, just stay right here where I told you to stay at, don't be getting attracted to that, stay right here, evidently, uh, every now and then, we like to kind of put our foot over into the other road. But the Lord always reminds us that that's not the better road. It always leads to destruction. You get it, it leads to arguments in your life. It leads to strife. It leads to unsettling. It leads to instability in our lives. So, Jesus. The reason why this is such a burden to my heart, the reason why this is such a burden to me, because every place that we went around this country. We've lived around the whole country. This is a sad reality for our churches, y'all. That people don't know Jesus and they're in the church. They don't revere him as king. He, 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 they, don't, they don't follow his teachings. Scripture here says that few find it. Few find it. Many enter the wide road because there's so many ways you can go. So many ways. He says many, the masses enter that way, but few find it. That is an interesting way to put that. He says that many enter as will, as volition. I'm intentionally entering this thing. I'm entering into this wide road that leads to destruction. He says, but few find the narrow gate. Why do few find the, the narrow gate? Few find the narrow gate because ultimately they're not looking for it. They don't care to find it. That is my biggest fear for any man or woman in this world, that you don't care enough to even look for it. It's as if few find it. But I want to close with this. Let that be an encouragement and a warning. On the one hand, to the church, let it be an encouragement, what? That the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. You do not have to fear that. There are so many cases going on in the world. How many of you guys watch the news? 
How many of us are tempted to believe that there is, everything is out of control? ISIS is growing in the Middle East. There's fear of them coming over to America. Ebola is breaking out everywhere. There is uh, uh, litigations being brought against churches in Houston, Texas. There's always someone being murdered on the news or being stole from. There's a lot going on in the world that would tempt us to believe that things are out of control. The universities are becoming more liberal. Our young people are being taken from the church and taken from the, um, uh, their faiths, are convinced out of it at least. Now we'll argue where they actually really save, of course. That's what the Bible, that's the question the Bible will pose. But there is a temptation for us to believe that, that somehow the church is losing. We're, we're losing ground. No, we're not. No, we are not. This warning is not about that, oh, how we can regain ground. This warning is that if you are in the church, Make sure that you know the Lord and make sure that you are entering through the narrow gate. That's what this is about. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church of God. There's no one that can actually shrink the church of God. No one. No one. The church can't be taken away from. People from the pews can be taken away from. They can leave. They can go. But the church is the church. The, church, the, the Lord is building the church. He's the king of the church. I believe I read that he ascended into heaven. And he is on his throne. And he is ruling. And he is sovereign. We don't have to fear. If you've entered into the narrow gate. The only thing that can happen to the church is that it is added on to. It is added on to. So it's good news. But it's bad news if you don't know this Lord. It's bad news. I, I, I'm specifically talking to the person who knows that they do not know the Lord. You know that you don't know the Lord because you look at your life. You know that you know the Lord because you're not willing to commit yourself to radical change. You, maybe you can't do it by yourself, but maybe you, you express to somebody and then you get the church to get around you and they lock arms with you and they help you get out of that thing. Maybe you have not shown deep commitment first and you know this, but Jesus stands and says that enter into the kingdom. There is no understanding between us. There's only my way or the highway, which is the other road. I want to open up the church right now. I, I, I want to invite you into true discipleship. Into true discipleship. And let me tell you what it's going to cost you. We're not going to try to set you up here. It's not an issue of just joining the church. That's not the issue here. Listen, there is hope. There is joy. There is peace. There is life. When you come to know the God of the universe and you know that he's for you, but there is misery, there is low, there is bondage, there is entrapment when you do not know God. God requires so much out of you. God requires much out of you. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that he requires perfection out of us. Now, don't, 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 don't lose, don't. Don't lose me there. I don't want to lose you. But this is reality. God requires perfection out of you. And guess what? You know that you can't do it. 
His standard is perfect. But he know that you can't do it. You know that if you cut, if you have a key made, you know if they got one groove off, the key doesn't work. The key maker has a perfect standard, and the customer expects perfection in order for the key to work. But Jesus is going to say, you can't be that key. You can't be that key that opens any door that will lead to life. You can't be that because it's going to be off. It's going to be crooked. Something's going to be off. It's not going to open the door, but he says that I'm going to be that key. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be that key. I'm going to be that key for you. Now, now we can talk about what Christ did on the cross. See, I, I, I expect perfection from you. The Father does. But I'm telling you that, that the Father sent me because he so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever shall believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. That, that's, the, that's the deal. That's the understanding that you can have with God. But how do you know if you have really repented and come to? You know because you realize, you understand that you are a sinner. You understand that I am broken. You understand that, 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 that I can't possibly meet these demands, but I want to, Lord. This is why the Beatitudes in chapter 5 of the Sermon of Mop, it opens up with the character of the Christian. They are poor in spirit. They mourn. They have, they, 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 they have a poverty of spirit. I am poor, Lord. I am poor. I can't do it. But I want you, though. There's something about you that is beautiful. I've been doing this in my life, and I'm, I'm tired of being my own ruler. I'm tired of being my own lord. I'm tired of, t- I'm tired of being my own king. I want to come to you. That's how you can enter the narrow gate. And if you know that you are still on that wide road, come up. Let's pray for you. Let's, let's invite you into true discipleship. And you know who you are. The Bible tells us to draw near to God, for He is near. The Lord is near. Let us pray for you. anybody on the white road? Is there anybody here that still lives life the way they want to live it? Who have not beheld the King and understood Him and respected Him and honored Him as the King of Kings? Today salvation is available to you. A life of joy, a life of peace, and ultimately a life of eternal living and dwelling with the King.